I'm a big believer that experience teaches. My goal with this show is to have guests to share their experience so that they can tell you what it's like, what they did right and what they did wrong. And I'm gonna share the same. Look, I'm not trying to regurgitate stuff you can find on the internet. I'm gonna tell you how it really is and what it's really like to own your own place. This is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast with your host, Kyle and Sarah. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast, or welcome if this is your first time. This is the number one and fastest growing podcast in the United States and beyond. I think I like to bring it that better and beyond. So cover a lot of bases there. Um, Hope everybody's doing well. I am really excited to talk about this particular guest. So I'm going to cut the chit chat out today. Um, Maybe some of you will appreciate that. Um, So, you know, the restaurant scene is evolving, right? Clearly. We've talked about a lot of different ways that it's evolved from an operational standpoint, from a site selection standpoint, from um, operational standpoint, uh, fundraising, all that type of stuff. And actually, as it pertains to fundraising, some of you may have seen Gary Vaynerchuk's NFT restaurant, right? If you don't know what NFTs are, Jesse Limone episode, I think there was two episodes back, kind of dove into that. But essentially, you're selling you're giving away these or you're selling these tokens, right? To help raise money for your restaurant. Now there's art associated with, there's some utility attached behind it. My next guest is a super dynamic young chef with a very impressive resume and his energy is insanely infectious and he is tackling a, well, his company's called Noble, Noble Promise, right? He's tackling a very noble type of task here with his restaurant that he's looking to open up in in Brooklyn. So um, I'll let him explain all the details. But what I really want you guys to take away from this episode is that this has never been more wide open for restaurant operators to look at alternate ways to create a brand around their restaurant, to do other things in their restaurant. He is thinking outside the box. He's making unbelievable connections. He's networking. And it's kind of what you have to do to stand out, right? I mean, it's a a noisy marketplace. How are you going to make your upstart concepts stand out? Well, he's going to tell you all about it. And he's going to give you his entire... Well, there's some things he can't tell you that I know, which are really cool. And I'm looking forward to a follow-up episode where we can dive into it. But um, this is Chef Sakari Smithwick, founder of Noble Promise. Check it out. Tap the Table is the world's fastest online ordering platform. Sell your food, merch, and event tickets fast and frictionlessly on the most popular social media channels, including Facebook and Instagram. Converting comments into customers is what made Tap the Table famous in the F&B tech space. Tap the Table allows your restaurant to automatically convert the comments you get on social media into cash. Build your list and own your data With Tap the Table, your supercharged social media will automatically begin working for you by building your own list and allowing you to own your own data. Automatically build that list through direct sales on social media and even through third-party delivery services like Uber Eats and DoorDash. For a risk-free 60-day trial, DM me TTT for a special promo code today. I'm going to keep it real with you guys. A lot of you need a new website. A lot of you. And by a lot, I mean most of you need a new website. 
which is why I partnered with Bento Box to help you do just that. They provide uh, a full service setup that brings agency level design online in days at a fraction of the cost. And just because you're a listener of this show, you can also receive 50% off your setup fees by clicking the link in my bio and entering the code FOU6 in the how did you hear about Bento Box section. Again, that's code FOU6, Bento Box, own your presence, own your profits, own your relationships. All right, guys, welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. And I've been telling you guys for a while, they're trying to take this show in a different direction, right? Like you guys have had enough conversation around the ins and outs of the daily operations of a restaurant and, and uh, you know, manuals and reporting and financials and real estate and all that stuff. But we're going to get into some unique shit here with my man. Sakari Smithwick has joined us. Sakari, thank you for the time. I appreciate it, man. Kyle, man, thank you for having me on here, man. It's an honor. Humble. <laughs> oh, man, look. So like we said just before we went on the air, uh, we're going to take this conversation wherever we want to take it. Why don't you just start off and give a little bit of background about yourself before we really get into the, the nitty gritty? Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, so my name is Sakari Smithwick. I'm 27 years old from Long Island, New York. And for the past 11 years, I've worked at some of the best restaurants in the world. Um, got a Michelin star at 24 years old. And now coming back from Europe after training out there for a little bit, um, I'm focused on opening my restaurant, right? So whatever I have to do to do that, that's that's what the mission is. Um, you know, we're trying to change the demographics and the scene of what fine dining looks like, right? Mm. Um, there's not a lot of us, when I say us, African-Americans in that scene when it comes to that. Um, and we're just trying to change that. We're trying to change how people look at fine dining, um, trying to change that word, right? Like we, we call it, you know, a noble promise, we call it black luxury, mm -hmm. um, you know, a dining experience. So I'm chef and founder of Noble Promise. Noble Promise is uh, basically my name, Sakari in Swahili. It means you have a promising future and you keep to your word. Um, and I built my brand around that. So right now, this is this is it, go time. This is go time. That's a, I mean, are you somebody who performs well with pressure? Like, do you want that pressure on you? Like that's a noble promise is such a, like a, like a regal sounding thing. It sounds like, holy shit, I got a lot to live up to here. I'm, I'm putting a lot on me. I mean, I, I like that type of stuff, but not everybody does, but I'm, I'm thinking you're one of the ones who do. When, when I was 15 years old, I got a tatter on me right here. 15. Uh, so, let's talk about the 15 year old so, tattoo. <laughs> so for me, when I got the tattoo, it was not only was it pressure, right? But it was something that I keep. It's it's a mantra of my life. It's something mm. that it's something that has gotten me up to the point where I am now. It it was something that I always told myself, I have to do what I said I would do. Right. You know what I mean? I have to keep to my word as a man. I have to I have to keep to my word. And I think something good is happening. I think something good's gonna happen. I have a promising future. So it was something that kept me in line and and my name, just having my name, you know, when I was younger, I was like got teased on and all these things. Um but I didn't realize until I was older, I was like, this is a special thing. And it has this meaning. I'm mm -hmm. like, I have a special future. Like I'm special. Yeah. So just embracing it. Right. So, I mean, this pressure, you need it. You need it because it's, it's how you get results. But I mean, that's pretty grounded for a 27 year old. I mean, you must have gotten some sort of, this must be like a family thing, right? Your family very involved in what yeah. you're doing. They, they instill this type of stuff in you because to, to be, to work in a Michelin star kitchen at 24, out to start your own restaurant at 27 plus all the other shit I know you have going on. I'm putting a lot of this. I'm looking at the family like, wow, you guys did something right here. Tell me I about mean, what that was like. Yeah, man. I mean, family first, first mm. and foremost. When you when you work in these kitchens and 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 all you see is no light. You all you see is is these kitchens and the people that you're surrounded with. 
you realize that there's, oh, wait, there's a life outside of this restaurant, right? Mm. Whatever restaurant you're in. And you start to realize like how important family is, super important. It's like the number one thing. And I'm so blessed to be able to be, come from where I come from and and have, you know, a loving mother, right? That named me this after reading a book and Mm. and gave me this special name, a loving father, which is one of the most noble men that I ever met in my life. You know, God bless his soul. He just recently passed. But I mean, he instilled things like kindness, right? Like Mm. teaching me how to be a kind man, keeping to my word, gratitude, right? He, he, he lived in the streets. He, he, he was born during the birth of hip hop. You know what I mean? He was part of the black spades, which was like, he, he was security for slumlords, right? Back in the day wow. uh, for African Bambada, he used to always tell me <laughs> these, these crazy stories, right? 8Ks and all this crazy stuff. And then wow. he became a police officer, right? So he had this discipline. He had this level of structure to him and he instilled that in me. Now, as a kid, when you're like 15, 16, 17 years old, you hate it. What do you mean yeah. I can't? What do you mean I can't go out to a party? What do you mean I can't hang out with my friends yeah. and be in the streets? However, <laughs> it helped me get to college. It helped me survive, and it helped turn me into the person I am now. And then my grandparents, you know, you're talking about my grandmother who came from the south and then was a social worker for over 30 years, right? So her her life was basically predicated on doing good, mm-hmm. and she used to bring me to these runs and like once again, instill gratitude in me, right? And, and like meet all these different people um, that came from different backgrounds than I did. And then my grandfather, a Jamaican immigrant, like this this dude would, would, would eat like the protein last of every single meal. And he wouldn't drink a beverage until after his meal because that's what he had to do growing up from where yeah. he was from because he grew up with so many brothers and you know obviously financial things and his work ethic this dude saved he believed in saving and his work ethic was a different monster i think immigrants don't get i mean they get enough credit they get oh, all the immigrant credit. hustle you see it a lot in the restaurant business too for sure it's it's different you know totally what i mean different. And it's totally different than an american and i didn't realize that until i went out to europe and i was like oh wait i can i can hang with these dogs right because because of my grandfather, because of the things that he instilled in me. So family is super duper important, man. Can't speak enough about it. Well, yeah, that's what's interesting is I do, I, I like in my downtime, I like to look at a lot of different things. And one of them is the subconscious, right? Like your subconscious is, um, that is a bitch, right? Like that's, you're getting it one way or the other, right? Like this is it. This is your subconscious. You got it. But how it is. So it, it basically is like a program, like a computer program. And it only gets diluted by a very little bit each generation so your grandfather's beliefs are in you whether you realize it or not like it's up to, it's really powerful trippy stuff i get it i can go into we can do a whole show just on that but like for me i can see certain characteristics of my grandfather and my father and then in me and you can see it but it's so they're always there good and bad and it's up to you to kind of reprogram it and get that in there so i think that that's something that's very important that a lot of people don't realize is that it's there for you to tap into and it's there for you to ignore. It's there for you to, to do the way as you please, but it's not going anywhere. And it really it's, sounds like it's working in your benefit. It's, it's self-awareness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's so important. Like for example, one of the, one of my favorite hobbies is collecting things. My grandfather collected coins growing up, mm-hmm. gold, silver, all these things. My father, he collected basketball cards. Now you see me collecting NFTs, basketball cards, all these mm-hmm. things. And it came from obviously that subconscious that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 there. That's what you're gonna take <laughs> with you. So when so you're you're a young kid, you're getting all this this great downloaded, um, you know, morals and ethics and ways to be 
when did you decide, like, because you said you went to college, did you know you wanted to be a cook right away? Or well, I always think that was an interesting connection for chefs. For sure. So cooking for me started like really young, right? Just being fascinated by like shiny gadgets and stuff like that <laughs> in uh, Macy's. Because, because you know, I grew up around a lot of females. So, you know, they would drag me to Macy's. I would see these tiny contraptions and I was loving it, right? Um, but for me, what really, what really transitioned was, man, I wasn't good at anything else. I grew up in the kitchen mm. around my grandmother, right? My, my grandparents really instilled to me college education. That was their thing, right? Um, I just wanted to make them proud. I come from a family with a lot of, I don't want to say disappointments, but unfortunate things, whatever the case is. They're not listening. You can call them <laughs> so I didn't want to be that, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be that demographic. So I was like, I have to make them proud. So what that looked like was getting an education, right? So the only thing I was good at was cooking, right? Mm. Um, I took, I, I was blessed to be able to go to Farmingdale, uh, Farmingdale High School, right? Mm -hmm. Which was a the good- Dalers. Yeah, the Dalers. Dalers. Okay, you're, you're, you're familiar. Long Island, so, uh, yeah. Right, right, right. So I hated it, right? I, I hated it because of the demographics, right? However, you know, they had a good they had a good program, you know what I mean? And I was blessed to be able to have the tools that I needed in order to become successful. So one of those tools looked like was cooking classes in high school. So I actually mm. took cooking classes in high school. I took advanced cooking. Once once I'll tell you a funny funny story real quick. There was this teacher there. I hated her. I don't want to say hate, but I disliked her. She hated me. Whatever the case is, we didn't get along. Let's say didn't see eye to eye. Yeah, exactly. we didn't see eye to eye. Nice yeah. terms, right? Anyway, she uh, she sees me cooking one day in her class, and she stops me. She says, "Whoa, you have a natural knack for this. Like, like, do you cook at home?" And I was like, "Like, like, leave me alone. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Get away from me. What do you mean? Um, but yes, I do cook with my grandmother. Like, my grandmother was, you know, Food Network and make ice cream with her, cookies, scrambled eggs, whatever." Um, my dad had a restaurant back in the day. He would tell me stories about this, you know, whatever. So next day she sees me. Hey, Sakari, how you doing? And I'm like, uh, you don't like me. I don't understand. Nah, I, you like long, me. Story, yeah. long story short, she recommends me for advanced cooking classes. I take it with uh, Miss Guchek, which is known as Miss Atkinson now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, amazing young lady. And then she gave me all the tools. And what I was learning in, in senior high school, right? 12th grade, what I was learning was the same things that freshmen of college of culinary students were learning. So when mm. I went to when I went to culinary school, I was already I was I was ahead of the people like in BOCES and all these things. You know, people from BOCES, they had this kind of um yeah. they, they had a little a jump step, right? But the problem with them, in my opinion, was that they they got a little too comfortable. Right, mm -hmm. so they would come in here thinking they they know they knew everything. everything. Yeah, you know what I mean, and and they yep. destroyed sometimes. So I, uh, long story short, I wasn't interested in, in my first year of college. To be honest, I I, I really wasn't intrigued. I almost failed out actually. Where did you go to culinary school? I went to culinary school at SUNY Delhi State University okay. New York Delhi upstate. Yeah, yeah. And um, I wasn't intrigued because I felt like I already knew it. You know, yeah. I had that same demeanor. Boring. Yeah. Um, it was boring to me, right? Um, and so the blessed thing that that where my opportunity going to that college was, it wasn't just a culinary school. It was so much more. So I was able mm. to, you know, meet different demographics, meet city kids, learn who I was as a person, what I liked, what I didn't like. And now I have friends from all different fields. I have an architect on my team right now as we're building this restaurant, construction people. And this is all from my college days, you know, graphic mm. designer and all these things that we're going to get into about NFTs. This was all built for my college, you know, oh, and this yeah. is because I went from a diverse college. So you know, I really wasn't interested. I was about to fail out. Um, the only reason I went away was because, like I said, I built, I, I got, I was grown with a lot of structure. 
Mm-hmm. I want to get away from that. You know, yeah, I, I'm yeah. a creative. Oh, yeah. I like, I, I'm a creative. I like to be. Yeah, don't, don't try to stop me. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm out there. I'm about to fail out. And then I meet my fraternity. Um, and then they had a certain level of grades that I need to be in. And then the fraternity land Alpha Upsilon, right? Uh, which is a national, um, you know, Latino fraternity, Afro-Latino fraternity. And they taught me about business. Like we, we would take classes about business. We would have fun. They taught me basically kind of like the Clark, Clark Kent situation, right? Like, oh, yeah. like you could you could have oh, you could yeah. be super you could be superman at night, right? Having fun, but work then work hard, work hard, play hard. Exactly. During the yeah. day, we're, we're we're doing that. So that that's who really taught me, and it and it was it was amazing to have big brother role models, right? People that were were from the same demographic as me, a little bit older, um, to give me some some guidance. And then I mean, I went from like a, I think it was like a one point one or two point one. It was like a one point one, two point one GPA, about to get kicked out to a three point three. Wow. All right. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I stopped partying. I, I was living in the library. I did whatever I had to do. And, yeah. um, and, you know, that was kind of the start of this tenacity, you know, and co- in high school, we did a track, right. That was like, kind of like the birthplace of my tenacity, mm-hmm. right? not giving up. I was terrible at track. They used to call me Smithwick damn it. Right. And the reason why they called me Smithwick damn it was because every time I would show up, they'd be like, damn it, he's still here. <laughs> <laughs> still, he's still on the team. He's he's still here because they didn't cut they didn't cut people. Yeah. Know? Um. He, the coach used to call me. You know, the coach had a had an Olympic background, really well known coach, right? Speaking right. back to those tools and things like that from Farmingdale. Um. He used to call me herpes because he couldn't get rid of me. Mm. That was that, you know so what I mean. Says more about the coach than that's about you. I think. I mean, hey man, <laughs> it, 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 I would next time I see him, I would say thank you. You know, he yeah. uh, the only the only oh. time that the only time that he liked me was actually when I was able to sell something for a fundraiser. I got my first taste of entrepreneurship through him. So yeah, like you know. so like all these things, learning from a team, I mean it, it taught me so much. Um that was my first introduction to tenacity. And then But that's a, that's the thing. Did, did you want to just did you want to do track or were your parents like you're gonna do track to, because you I was need to fat. Do, yeah. So I was like fat. you gotta run. Was, no, they didn't say anything. I was fat. I wanted to uh, look good for the girls. And then on top of that, it's always motivation. <laughs> right. And then on top of that, um, what it was was all the cool kids was in track. You know, mm-hmm. all the all the cool people that everybody liked or whatever was yeah. in track. So I was like, I want to be a part of that. That's how it started as a kid, you know. Yeah. Um, and then it transpired to 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 so much more, obviously. So you want you wanted to be there, but you just weren't good at it. Yeah, I wanted to be there. If I if I didn't want to be there, I wouldn't have been there. Yeah, yeah. Because well, that's an interesting thing to me because I think a lot of times, you know. But my parents were educators. I grew they, they, my my parents got divorced and they married other educators. So I was surrounded by step parents, four basically teachers and wow. principals at home. So wow. education was huge. But I always wonder about kids who didn't have that kind of upbringing. And I was kind of like forced to do different things. And I loved the sports and I loved to play sports. But that that dynamic of like fitting the education in once the school starts to come up in terms of responsibilities, what you have to do there, and then sports comes up and you have to balance the two that's a very important part right like how am i going to balance these two that are equally kind of important to me and um the people that came in come into your life at that time whether they're teachers or coaches um are really important and you don't realize it at the time whether they you don't like them you do like them but it definitely teaches you and along with the college thing is i'm in this on my own i'm gonna have to figure this out and take what i can from these experiences i'm gonna carry them with me and i think it's really important who you meet in those times whether whether you want to be there or not a lot of times those people have a lesson for you that you take on. So that's always so interesting. Important. Relationships, man. It's not about money. It's about relationships. So yeah, I, exactly. didn't learn that till, I didn't learn that till now. But yeah. then looking, looking back, looking yeah. back, um, 
yeah, man, relationships that I've built there, incredible. Yeah, you're still it's still young to have learned that. I mean, that's sometimes people don't learn that forever. But you know what's <laughs> interesting? But that's that's what is messed up with me about school now. I know actually somebody else who we're going to get into, into a conversation about is um, I mean maybe we are is our buddy Gary. Is he is on this whole mission about schools? They're not cut for everybody. Like the problems with school is you go into a classroom and you're all going to learn what's on the board, right? Yep. This is, and this is how I'm going to deliver it to you. And whether yep. you hear it or you don't, this is how it's coming. That doesn't work for me, right? Like that doesn't work for you. It doesn't work. At you. Everybody learns and does things in different ways. For example, if you're not doing so great in school, maybe somebody needs to look like your, your fraternity brothers and say, Le try learning it this way. Mm. Try learning it. That's, that's what I think is missing. So it's really fortunate when when you stumble upon it so to speak yeah i'm i mean i think education is so important dude you know yeah. and even if you don't go to college even if you like right now i mean i educate myself you, you speak about my age right being 27 years old and, and understanding mm -hmm. all these things the reason that is is because all i do all day is consume education mm -hmm. and the way that i learn is from videos well that's mm -hmm. what i that's what i've realized right yep. and by doing videos mm -hmm. and doing right yeah, i'm not so much too. of a reader I do read because I think it's important, but I literally all day just consume whether it's interviews of people that I want to be like, whether it's it's keynotes of people that I aspire to be and, and or or attributes of things that I need to learn, whether it's business, marketing, whether it's food, literally all day I spend consuming content to learn. Yeah. Um, and then that's how I was able to 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 really do some of the things that I'm doing. All right. So you're in college, you're like working your way through, you kind of figure it out. Then what's yep. next? Yeah, there. What's 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 your next step? <clears throat> so from there, I didn't realize I wanted to be the best until I took advanced cooking classes, right? So like I said, I was born, I was bored the first year, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, let me take a step up. I took advanced cooking class. I'm thinking I'm hot shit. I get in there and I'm actually the worst kid there. <laughs> and I'm and I'm these all these kids will actually basically birth to be a chef. You yeah. know what I mean? Right? Yeah. I'm just coming in there like I know what I'm doing, whatever. I'm the worst kid there. Um, and then from there, I was like, you know, I want to be the best. And that's why I, I I really connect with Kobe so much is because I started out as the worst and then I became one of the best, you know. From there, I was nominated student chef of the year. I won, like, the scholarship from the school, which is rep represents, like, a rising star for future things, right? Out of everybody, the hospitality person, I, I was the person that won that. Um, represented Team USA and, uh, and Costa Rica, right? Mm -hmm. We won a gold medal. That's so I did all these... I did all these, you know, part of the hot foods team. So all these things that I didn't think I could do, right? Uh, I became, was able to do. And they introduced me to fine dining. Mm. Long story short, I was part of the Scoffier Club, right? One of the many clubs I was a part of. I was part of the Scoffier Club. And basically they pay for a trip for you to go to uh, a restaurant, right? A, a fine dining restaurant. They pay for it. Pay for the whole experience. So that's when I got introduced to my first fine dining experience. I never knew what fine dining was. I right. thought fine dining was Red Lobster, and mm -hmm. you know carmines or you know cheesecake factory or <laughs> right. applebee's like that's yeah, what i yeah. thought was was restaurants and then i go to the lincoln center and i get introduced to lincoln which was a one star at the time being ran by a three star previous three star chef really great restaurant and i was my mind was blown yeah you like on another planet i was like what is this i was like yeah. every every course is good what <laughs> Like, this is crazy. This guy's a good cook. This is insane. So from <laughs> yeah. there, I was like, I need to, I need to understand what Michelin is, and I need to be a part of that conversation. And from there, man, I mean, you know, I, I left college. I started working at Maria, which was a two Michelin star restaurant, right? One of the only restaurants in North America that, from an Italian standpoint, that had yep. two Michelin stars. 
I mean, that place was busy, you know? People people overseas might not know that place as often, as much, but I mean, that place was one of the hottest places in the city. We're talking about 400 covers a day, you know wow. what I mean, on the regular. Yeah. Um, At that level, that's a lot of pressure. Two stars, yeah. high volume, and from a, a, a prestigious chef, Michael White, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. doing doing great food. Um, and then I was also meeting, meeting cooks from all over the country, you know what I mean? So I did that for two years. But my real heart was was working at Eleven Madison Park. The reason mm-hmm. why I didn't know anything about Denny Hume, I didn't know anything about Eleven Madison Park. All I knew was that it was one of the best restaurants rated in the world, point blank. And and at the time, it was one of the best restaurants. It was the best restaurant in North America. Yeah. So I said, if I want to be the best, I got to go work for the best. Yep. Right. So I tried and tried and tried and tried. I mean, I tried everything. And to I get know, in, you mean tried tried to get a job? Try to get yeah. Try to get yeah a job yeah yeah. Like, you know, whether it was DM and Daniel Hume, whether it was Daniel Hume coming into the restaurant and me begging a server to talk to him. And he said, absolutely not. I could lose my fucking job. Are you crazy? Yeah. Whether whether it was talking to the chef and saying, hey, can you can you like connect me with Daniel Hume? You know, whether it was going to the restaurant by myself and knocking on the door, cold calling him and giving him my resume. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever I had to do. I heard no a thousand times. I finally DM someone that was from Long Island. He was, a, he was a shoe chef of the Nomad within the company, right? I DM him, uh, Vinny. And of course, Vinny from Long Island. Everybody knows <laughs> Vinny from Long Island. At least so, one. Man, I, I DM, he, he responds to me, man. He doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. However, what I said was, the way that I said it was, jab, jab, right hook, right? But yeah. what, the way that I said it was, I was like, man, I went to Farmingdale. You go to Massapequa. Our schools are actually rivals. Yeah. Hey man, I would love to uh, work at Eleven Madison Park. And, you know, this is uh, I'm working yeah. here now. I'm working at Murray or whatever. He says, "Yeah, man, for sure. Let me connect you to Lockwood." Now, Brian Lockwood is one of the best chefs in the world, in in my opinion, definitely one of the best chefs in America. He's based in Colorado now. He's trying to open up his own restaurant. I mean, he's worked for Thomas Keller. Uh, he worked in Spain in a three Michelin star restaurant. Really talented guy. I go and you know he's Boku's door, like really heavy mm. stuff. So anyway, I go, I go meet this guy, man. I'm nervous, whatever. He said he liked me from the minute I, I came in there, man. I busted my ass. He he I said I did a really good job. Um, and then I and then basically he's like, hey man, I can't promise you anything, but just keep keep emailing me. If you want this job, keep keep contacting me. He's like, I can't promise you anything, but keep trying. So I literally mm-hmm. did that, right? So he didn't he didn't reply to me or anything, and I tried three more times. And I finally got the job. There so I found myself opening up at the time, the best restaurant in the world, reopening mm. it up because they just closed from renovations. So now I'm going through the process of, of opening a restaurant. And not only that, obviously at the highest level. Um, it was incredible. It was insane. I grew up there, right? I thought I was hot shit once again. And then I realized I was actually nobody. <laughs> and um, I learned so much, man. I'm humbled. I, I work with some of the best cooks, some of the best chefs in the world from all over, from London, from Germany. I mean, these people that's, are amazing. Well, that's how you have to do it, right? I mean, these... These what you're saying are things that I think a lot of people don't value that experience when they're doing it, but they're so important or they think like, hey, you know, I'm not going to I'm, I'm going to go to culinary school next year. I'm going to take one year to kind of like do the. I'm going to put this off and they don't go for it and put themselves out there and put themselves in a position where, you know, hey, I'm going to meet different people. I'm going to step outside of Farmingdale. I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to meet there is a whole world outside of here. Right. When you're younger, it feels like your world is your town and then yep. it gets bigger with college Then you go to the restaurant and it gets bigger you meet friends and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and with that comes so much experience i think that's a huge huge piece especially for a chef because you, you know the best chefs will tell you all the time they never stop learning right yep. like 
Mike, uh, Michael, uh, not Michael White. What's his name? Um, Marco Pierre White. Yep. Never, never had different. The the never had the high tokes. Never did. Everybody wore the same cook shirts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everybody's the same. Yep. And I think that's a great mentality to have. And and those guys, like you said, who walked in from the culinary school, thought they knew everything. That you're you're in for a career burnout. You're signing yep. up for a career burnout if you're not a forever student. One hundred percent. And uh, you know, working at this place, I, I started to realize how important experiences were. They would tell me these stories about sleeping in the restaurant, working for Gordon, mm. you know, working for all these you know top level chefs. I'm like, damn, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? But uh, I survived, uh, you know, and eventually moved on. And then I was like, you know what? I need to be able to to experience what they experience, you know? Because I, I didn't, like you said, that small box. I was like, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this is what it is. So I had to go venture out. And those experiences, man, I mean, changed me, sculpted me. I mean, I would, you know, not not take anything back. Yeah. I mean, that those connections and those people that you meet along the way, they'll always come back around. They always yep. come back around one way or the other. All right. So now you're 11 Madison Park and you're like, how do you, what, you leave there to do what? So I leave there and I, I get burnt out, right? Mm, from from yeah. cooking fine dining. I kept getting disappointed, right? Um, so then from there, I was like, I want to, I want to learn African-American food. I want to know about black chefs. And I, you know, I didn't want to go that route at first. I wanted to learn what the best was. But then I said, you know, I'm African-American. What kind of food do I want to cook? You know, and I wanted to cook food for my ancestors, right? So I was like, all right, let me go on a black food chef tour. So I, I went and cooked for some of the best black chefs in America. You know, Eduardo Jordan, Kwame Iwachi, JJ, Omar Tate, you know, um, went to Seattle, D.C., whatever the case is. I ended up staying with uh, JJ in New York City. And that's where I met Omar Tate, which was Esquire Chef of the Year, Time 100. Um, he was doing pop-ups and things of that sort. And he was going through the next phase of what Noble Promise would be, right? And him and I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. Him and I, you know, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. This dude came out, he had a full beard, he had a dirty apron, dirty shoes. I'm thinking, you know, this dude's whack. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And he ended up being one of the most influential people in my career and one of the biggest mentors for me, right? Mm. He's doing things that I hope to do and I'm doing now. And he kind of laid the blueprint for me. You know, he invited me to to work to cook with Tom Calicchio while he's doing a pop up for Honeysuckle, mm-hmm. and all and all these things. You know, we went to Martha's Vineyard. We, we, you know, he taught me about Black heritage cooking. What is Black heritage cooking? It's just telling the stories of African Americans. People think soul food, right? Is you know, people think macaroni and cheese and sweet potato pie, right. but there's so many more stories to be told from the African American perspective. You know, the reason why we eat French fries in America is from a black chef. You know what I mean? People people don't realize the meringues. You know what I mean? James Hennings, like the slave, right, of Thomas Jefferson's Hercules, the slave of George Washington, right? And they wanted they wanted to eat these luxurious foods, so they sent James Hennings to France, and he learned <laughs> macaroni and cheese, right? The bechamel sauce. He learned mm-hmm. about the stovetop cooking, learned about French fries and all these things, and brought these things back here to America. They shaped African American people shaped what american cuisine is to today that's why nobody knows that right no. nobody nobody no, I didn't really know until knows you just that. said it no i consider myself yeah I figure out like i know a lot about that stuff and i had, I had no clue so that's wow so that's basically where you started building the idea for noble promise exactly you know i i wanted to build so after working at these top restaurants in the world i've realized i need to build an actual brand you can't just mm. cook a restaurant i need to build an yeah. actual brand so what does that mean noble how do we how do we treat our customers? How do we treat our people? Promises, right? You know, we're promising an experience. Really build a culture, really build a brand, yeah. right? Actual business. Um, and then from there, like I said, re reframework how people think about fine dining. You know, we're taking humble ingredients 
and we're still letting us as chefs execute these things, right? Yeah. We're using our talent, right? Um, our knowledge to, you know, in seasonal ingredients. Yeah. Um, we're not, we're not so focused on using truffles or caviar, these expensive ingredients, you know, we can take what we've learned for the past, whatever amount of years yeah. and create a delicious meal, man. Yeah. I mean, that's people don't realize. And it's well, a couple things that you said there that are really important. Build a brand because so many restaurant owner, operator, chefs think that a brand is a website, a logo, a social media account. No, that is the furthest thing from what a brand yeah. is. It's everything yeah. of who you are. I mean, you have a big why, right? You you want to you want to educate people on on African American, the history of African American foods in this country, and and everything around that is speaks. So now you have a big why, and now all your little touch points are going to be huge for your brand. And that they may be on your website, they may be on your social media, but it's not what your brand is about. And I think that doesn't. We've had three different podcasts strictly about branding. I don't think that really resonates because I don't see it. I don't see yep. it a lot. I don't see it. And if you do, and if you have a fucking story and you're not telling it, then shame on you because that's what is, that's where we're at right now. People yep. want to know what the why is with these. And I think that's, that's tremendous for you to recognize that. It's, it's the most important thing. Storytelling is something that we do naturally as chefs. It's one of the things that Omar taught me. And then from there, built a brand from one of my mentors, which was Gary, like we spoke about, right? Mm -hmm. So watching these people that do these things and, and, and learning about business, learning about marketing, you know, the reason why that I actually even went down the rabbit hole of learning about business was because I had a Michelin star with an amazing three-star chef, right? Mm -hmm. In a small quarters, right? We're cooking 30, 30 seats, right? Um, we're doing amazing food. Everybody that entered that restaurant had an amazing experience, 100%, mm. right? We had to close the restaurant. <clears throat> mm. So I'm running the social media because this the owner is an old school guy, right? The chef is just actually a chef where he yeah. just wants to make people happy. Right. Yeah. I'm the young gun in the situation. I'm sitting at the table with these people. Right. I'm like, hey, man, social media, da, 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 da. We do it. It starts to, it starts to see some type of, you know, results, but it was way too late. And we had yeah. to close the restaurant. And I realized, mm -hmm. I said, no matter how good of food you do, right, no matter how delicious, no matter how great the service is, even if you win a Michelin star, your restaurant can still close oh. and then nobody can experience it. So from that rabbit hole, I said, and you know, my dad telling me stories about you know how his partner you know took took all of the money and the restaurant closed and all these things. Learning from other people, right? Seeing these past events, I was like, nah, I can't, I can't make that. I have to make business a priority. Yeah. So That's... I need to learn. And then and then realizing what I did was I just started listening to people that were great at what they do. And what I realized is that everybody says the same shit. They yeah. just say it in their own way. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody speaks about the same thing. But it, it doesn't hit you until it hits you, right? Like yeah. anybody, you could have, like for me, a lot of it, there's a lot of it now. I played sports my whole life, I played football through college. And then, then when I when I was finished with that and got into cooking, there was a lot of things that were similar to me, right? There's a beginning time. There's an end time. There's those moments of like, oh, my God, we got to that rush. Or, you know, we just got, you know, we just stopped them. It, it, a lot of things that were similar. But in that. There's a million people yelling at you. Know, you got like 20 coaches. You got uh, the fans. You got people, your parents. You got your girlfriend. But and they're all could be telling you the same thing. But there's not that. There was only one coach that really resonated with me. That Bad was like, clip. oh shit, now I get it. Yep. Now I get it. And that's yep. that's why it's important to meet so many different people and put yourself in those different experiences. So, so can we talk about? Can we talk about the? You can we talk about Gary's where you're at with that? What's yeah? 
Yeah, man. Tell, let's, tell let's, the story. Let's... Tell the story that like the way you told it to me with the basketball card. And what people don't know, it's Gary fucking Peter Chuck. If you if you're listening to this show and you don't know who Gary is, do not just stop listening right now. I don't want you to listen anymore. <laughs> yeah, man. So Gary Vaynerchuk to me is one of my mentors. You know, he's once again, it's not about color, because I'm African American, right? It's not about color, it's about being the best. So he to me is the best marketer one of the best brand builders in the world. And I mm. realized that I said, I need to build a brand. And who am I going to learn it from rather than the person that gives all this stuff yeah. away for free, right? I'm sensing a theme with you. So it was <laughs> just trying to be the best, man. So literally, I tried to figure out a way to get this guy's attention, man. You know what I mean? I was it's like, how can I, how can I get Gary? Because, you know, I made a shift. It went from being, you know, I was in Europe, right? I, I, I had a shift, which was like, I need to start worrying about exposure. I need to start. You can make the best food. If nobody knows about you in your restaurant, nobody cares. Yeah, you right. Know? It's it's the best known over the best products, unfortunately. Yep. You know what I mean? And service means more than the food. Unfortunately. It's yeah. just how it's yeah. just how oh, it's yeah. just how it works. So man, I started, you know, really digging digging deep into Gary Vaynerchuk's content, right? He gave away all of his best stuff for free. And the reason why it was just a great ROI for him, right? So I said, man, I need to get this guy's attention. I need to have a conversation. I need five minutes yep. with, with this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk. So I said, how do I get, you know, about to be a billionaire? You know, how do I get this millionaire, this guy that, you know, is super duper busy, infected so many people? How do I get this guy's attention? All right, let me try emailing. It's the same way I approach restaurants, man. DMs, you know, contacting everybody in his network, whatever the case is. I tried yeah. that. That didn't work. Okay, cool. All right. Well, maybe if I have something that he wants. So I'm, I'm consuming this content, and you know, one thing that he wants is the is the the highest grade George Mikan rookie card in the world. And who the hell is George Mikan? George Mikan is the first celebrity basketball player. George Mikan is the person that created the, the three second uh, violation, uh, the shot clock. <laughs> Okay. They they created rules for this guy because he was so unstoppable in the league. He he was a part of Min, Min, how do you say that word? Min, Minneapolis. Boom. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. He was part of the Minneapolis Lakers before they became the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. Um, this guy was the first. He was the Michael Jordan before the Michael Jordan. So what year are we talking? Nineteen forty-eight. Nineteen forty-eight. Jesus. Nineteen forty-eight rookie year. So I go on eBay. Man, my grandma's sick in the hospital. I'm I'm having all this downtime in North Carolina. I'm going to eBay and I'm like George Mike and George Mike and George Mike. I find a GAI eight, right? Eight out of ten near mint condition card. And they also had a PSA seven, right? I didn't take the PSA. They were both the same price. I didn't take the PSA seven. These are grading companies for anyone yeah. that doesn't know. So I didn't take the PSA seven, but it sold in like, I mean, like after I saw it, the next day it sold. I was like, you know, I have to pull the trigger. So we're talking about eight hundred dollars. I, I didn't even have the money. I used my yeah. credit card. You know what I mean? So I I I, uh, I buy this card. I get the card. I I reach out to a couple experts. They say GAI isn't a great company, but the the company um the person that started that company actually created PSA, which is the most well known sports card and great company, right? So anyway, I said, man, I I need to get this card to Gary. What what do I do? Let's create a documentary. Let's let's not talk about it. Let's be about it. So we created a documentary. I literally call up on my friends. I said, hey, can I use your house? Hey, man, can you be in my video? Hey, man, whatever, whatever. Hey, I need a videographer guy. So we 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 do this documentary, right? It's called uh, Noble Promise Presents The Last Sports Card. It's on YouTube. Oh. 
So right. it's literally a documentary informing people about who George Mikan is. And I, and, and I was convinced that I had a million dollar card. I was convinced this is a million dollar card. Nobody could tell me anything else. I'm spending money that I don't have in my head, right? Because I'm still a kid, right? Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm like, grandma, what do you want? What is, it, what is anything that you would How many want? cars you want, Grandma? Like, what do you want, Grandma? Yeah. You know, anything that you need. Like, I got you. You know, Mom, what is it that you need? Dad, what is it that you need? I got this sports card, and it's about to be insane. And they're looking at me like I'm, like, insane. They're like, like yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah, whatever. My yeah. grandfather was the only one. I believe. I believe. <laughs> He's like, I'll take a Mercedes-Benz <laughs> C-Class. <laughs> He's like, I believe. So I'm like, all right, man, I got to do this. I got to show them. So I make this documentary, man. I try to reach out to Gary. I do I do it all again, right? I, I reach out to everybody in his network, whatever the case is. His best friend reaches back to me, Ryan Harwood. He gets him the card, a picture of the card. I mean, I, re I reached out to his brand managers. I mean, I did everything. Mm. So we get the card in front of him. <clears throat> he said he's not interested. What? You're like bullshit. You're not. I'm, I'm, you gotta give me I'm, a million dollar check. I got this. I, I got some Mercedes. I'm, I'm heartbroken. I'm tear down. I'm like, what do you mean? I just embarrassed myself. We're talking yeah. about pressure, right? We're talking about pressure before, right? So, I just made a documentary on this. What do you mean he doesn't want the card? In my head, that's what I'm saying. This is the ending of the movie right here. This is crazy. <laughs> so I'm like, this is terrible, man. So he doesn't want the card. He's going down and underwater from COVID. You know what I mean? This is before NFTs. I'm thinking he wants a sports card. He doesn't yeah. want it. So I'm like, why doesn't he want it? I'm like, you know what? Let's regrade it. So we send it to another company. Comes back a PSA 5. I'm heartbroken again. Yeah. So now, before it was an 8, which was one of the highest grade in the yeah. world. And you had to spend like 100 bucks to get it graded too, right? Yeah, or more. It was like $200. Yeah. So I, I went through this entire process and it comes back now 5. I'm like, damn, I lost. I was like, I was like it's over. No, so no. now... Is not no. It's no longer a million dollar card. My 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 family stops asking me about what happened to this million dollars that you're talking about. Whatever the case my is, my car. Yeah, you know, months go by, right? Almost the almost a year goes by. I feel fucking defeated, and I get a message from Gary, right, on Twitter, whatever the case is, and he says, "Hey, everybody, pull up at twelve o'clock. I have a giveaway or, or something special for you guys. If you're in the New York area, pull up." So I said, "What?" I just came from doing a Noble Promise pop-up, right? I had maybe a few hours of sleep. I'm in my PJs, 11 o'clock in the morning, right? <laughs> I'm an hour away from the city. He says, be yeah. there by noon. I find out at 11. I run. I get the card. I run in the car. I'm driving with no gas. And I said, you know, I'm going to document the entire thing. So I documented that entire thing as well, <laughs> right? On your I phone. I get on my on phone. Your... Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, I documented it. It's yeah, an episode. Yeah. It's episode of my YouTube show, Sipping with Sakari. It's episode one about how I meet Gary and I give him this card. So we get there. He's giving away free manga books from, you know, he does this thing where he does uh, barrage sales. He does right, barrage right. sales to teach oh, people yeah. about how to make money, right? So he's giving away some of the things that he bought in garage sale. He's like, hey, this is free money, you know, whatever the case is. I see him. I'm like, hey, man, I've been trying to get you this card for months. I've been in D-Rock's DMs. I've been in everybody's DMs, man. You know, here you go. And he's like, this is for me? I'm like, it's for you. I gave it to him. Huh. I gave him the card. Everybody's like, yo, are you stupid? <laughs> this dude's a millionaire. What yeah. do you mean you gave him a card? Your most valuable card. What is wrong with you? I said, yeah, I you're investing for now over a thousand bucks on this card, right? Yeah, like that, yeah. and that's a lot of money for me. Where I come yeah, from, right. you know what I mean? So yeah. like him, this is like you know, it means a lot to him. But him, you know, of course he could have paid me. Yeah. I said, I said no. You know what? This guy will remember me forever, 
and I believe in good karma. I don't want anything in return. I'm not asking for a handout, but yeah, whatever. Weeks go by. He comes out with this thing called the Sorcerer Scholarship. It's part of his NFT project, right? And what this is, is you get actually a mentorship with Gary. You get connections to his network, whatever the case is. And you also get this rare NFT. What is an NFT? It's a non-fungible token. It's basically a digital asset. So there's this digital thing on the blockchain. The blockchain just registers or or shows people basically proof of ownership of, of this asset, right? And it's basically one of the most, you know, amazing. There's only five in the world. Mm. right of this of this rare nft and you get to have a mentorship with with mr gary vaynerchuk you know one of the most influential people in the world oh my god so i mean i mean thousands basically huh for a thousand dollars basically well it's free to apply right right that's right okay It's, it's free to apply everybody applied i mean it's free you can only get it gifted to you so Literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people from India, Turkey, Germany, everywhere, all around the world apply for this thing, right? I make it to the second round. I make it to the second round. I then get denied. I get so denied. You're, kind of, you're going through these rounds, but then no one's like updating you. There's like, hey, you made it to the second round. So they made they, they updated me. They showed me a video of Gary. So they say... You've been denied. Well, first, you've made it to the second round. Send this video, whatever the case is. Next next thing I know, I get denied. I'm heartbroken, right? I, I'm speaking. To, I spoke to his team, I think, the day before. You know, I saw them in passing, whatever the case is. I'm like, man, I must have said something wrong. I don't know what I did. Like, yeah, what, what do you I mean? Do. I'm, I'm, I'm denied, whatever the case is. I'm heartbroken. And then this was a major life-changing moment for me, which was I said, man, forget this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win regardless. Something, something inside me shifted where, where I guess my idol, one person that I realized that I really wanted to be a part of, he kind of, you know, denied me in a sense. Yeah. That's, that's the way I looked at it at the time, whatever. Something went off or a click went off where I was like, forget everybody. I'm going to win regardless. I don't care. And I mean, the level of like zero Fs. That's given, pretty ballsy. Yeah. I mean, like, I really didn't care anymore. I was like, you know what? I'm going to win. Yeah. They made a mistake. That's how I looked at it. Yeah, for yeah, real. Yeah. Gen- like genuinely, not 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 cocky, not this is the worst mistake. And you're a chef, yeah. so like you're used to being in control. Like you want things, and it's that's hard to let go of control and just be told, like, okay, uh, no. And you're like, no, 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 no. That's not this doesn't end here. That's not it's how it's crazy. Yeah. So what happens next is that I see one of his team members at the party. I tell him, you know, I can't wait to show you what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm, not, up, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna beg you, hey yeah. man, can you reconsider? Or hey, I can't believe no, I'm gonna show you what I'm gonna do. And then the next thing is is I tweet out Gary. I said, Hey man, I, I got denied, but I can't wait to show you what I'm gonna do in the next one, two, five, ten, and the rest of my life. Years. Yeah. I can't wait to show you. And I'm like, I'm I'll see you at the top. Yeah, shove it down the throat. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, the next day he posts the card (laughs) on Twitter. On Twitter, he posts the card. When I say the card, I mean the George Mikan card, the same card that I gifted him. Yeah, this is a year after I gifted him. Yep, he posts obsessed. So now I'm happy. Now I don't want anything returned. I just got denied. I got denied, by the way. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody's like, yo, he's posted your card, but he didn't tag you. What like what? I'm like, I don't care about that. Yeah. The fact that he enjoyed it, because this is generally a gift out of my heart. Yeah, right. He, he enjoyed it. <clears throat> he says obsessed. But I said, you know what? I just got overlooked from this scholarship. I'm not going to get overlooked again. So I tweeted out. I said, man, I'm so happy that you're enjoying the gift that I gave you. Not as because I want validation, not yeah. as because I need his acknowledgement or anything like that. I just got tired of being overlooked. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that hunger. The next day, I get an email saying you've been reconsidered for the scholarship. What? What? <laughs> I get reconsidered for the scholarship. I go in there. I do an interview process. And literally, before I went on the interview, I said, if I don't get this thing, I don't care. However, I'm going to leave everything out on the battlefield. Amen. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to put out That's my heart. Point, right? Yeah. I, I'm going to say... And whatever it is, I'm not holding anything back. I do not care. I went in there talking my smack. That's how you I, I went in there saying that I don't need this scholarship. That's what I told him. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't need this scholarship. I'm gonna win regardless. <laughs> and pe- I told people that, and they were like, "Are you crazy? What do you mean you told yes. me you don't need yeah. the scholarship after you've been trying to get the scholarship for months?" And da 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 da. I, I meant it. I I. I'm going to win regardless. So I, I told him my story. I tell him everything. Next thing I know, I get an email saying you've been accepted and you, and you won the scholarship. Man. Damn. That's like, <laughs> you're like tired just telling the story again. The story yeah. was, yeah. Man, it was, I mean, that's interesting. So now, so now what does that mean? You, he's basically, you have this NFT that entitles you to a certain number of meetings, certain number of other things. You, yeah, you so you get, yeah. So you get five meetings with him, right? Mm. You also get 30 hours of, of connection to his network. So whether Shit. it's his PR team, whether it's his real estate guys, I mean, he's doing so many things, right? Vayner NFT, he's doing VCR group. Um, and then you also get an internship uh, at any of his companies. So one, one book that I read that I think everybody should read is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And I read, that, I read that book after my dad passed and mm-hmm. it just spoke out to me, right? And I look at Gary Vaynerchuk as my rich dad, and I look at my poor dad as actually my dad because he he actually worked his entire life. Yep. Right. So all the things that was being told in this book just connected with me a little bit more. And one of the things in the book was stated was that you should learn a little bit about a lot, meaning like you need to learn a lot about different like like about different things. You need to learn about sales. Sales is the most important thing. Marketing, storytelling, right? What to do with your money. It's not about how much money you make. It's actually what do you do with the money that you yeah. do get? What do you Are you keep, flipping right? it? Right? Are you keeping it? Are you paying yourself first? All these amazing things, right? So I learned all these things and I said, you know what? This is <clears throat> this is the gateway to financial freedom, man. Yeah. Well, there you go. So now you have that. You've got something else coming up. Yeah, man. So so, so let's so basically I watched Undercover Billionaire. Everybody should watch this as well. I'm trying to give some value to everybody that's listening here. Yeah. The resources that you can do, right? So Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Undercover Billionaire, you must watch. And one of the resources that they speak about an Undercover Billionaire is SBDC, Small Business Development Center. So basically, you get to have advisors, right? Business experience people for free, right? So that's how I met this guy named Pierre. Pierre and I created a relationship. He gives me insight about the strategy and tactics that I need to go to tackle to open this restaurant, No Promise. Mm-hmm. So I told him about my NFT project. It's called No Promise Studios. And he says, man, that needs to be first. He says, you need to do everything there first, and then we can worry about everything else. 
So I didn't know that until we had this conversation. Yep. That's why it was so important to mention. So now I'm focused on building, <clears throat> which I'm building and launching this NFT collection. Um, the, the NFT collection is called Noble Promise Studios. And what it is, is I'm building a platform for up and coming artists, people that don't have okay, traction, that's great. people that are being overlooked, people that are the underdog, right? But are super duper talented and super duper hardworking, mm -hmm. right? So I'm building a platform to showcase them. So the way it works is that the collection is going to showcase four different artists, including myself, right? So my food for portfolio, right? It's going to be launched also from a, a hand painting artist, a photographer, right? And then an amazing, talented graphic designer. He actually also created this shirt. He's a fashion fashion designer. Um, amazing guy. And these are my partners on the, on the project. I also have a developer on my team, right? We built out this team. We built out the pitch deck. We built out basically what this company will be. And we're right now in the stages of building our community, right? So we're just trying to contact and talk to as many people as we can, build a real reputation, build a real brand behind No Promise Studios, what it yeah. means. And from there, what we're going to do is this is basically funding 3.0, man. Think, think, go fund me, you know, 3.0. Think, you know, this is we're rallying the troops. You know, it's a, it's a collection of 10,000 tokens. So what the idea is that we're, we're selling these tokens as, I mean, you get so much value from this. You mm -hmm. get a membership into a restaurant, right? As far as the exclusivity, if you, if you purchase some of the tokens, you actually get exclusive access to a speakeasy that we're building, right? But on top of that, you get VIP membership, whether whatever token you get. So whichever yeah. token you get, right? You can always add value to those things. You can, you know, Gary's doing it now. Like, hey, if you have this, this is what you're going to be able to get now, which is exactly that's, people aren't connecting on that. But yeah, go ahead. Exactly. So so we're adding value in that aspect. I mean, you actually get some of the the scent prints from the, one of our amazing artists, Moshe Douglas. He'll actually be sending you uh, his collection of nostalgia. And this guy just sold a, a NFT for 1.2 million. But the problem with that, the 1.2 million NFT was that he didn't receive a large chunk of that because he's just an artist. Uh. They got founders involved. They have all these different moving pieces. So as an artist, he didn't really see much of that, that commission, much of that money. That's yeah. the problem. That's, that's the problem that we're trying to fix. The artist comes first. The money. We're, putting, yeah, right. we're, putting, we're putting the artist first to be able to do what we need to do. So, you know, we're going to get sent prints from, from, from Moshe Douglas. Right, we're sending out coloring books. I got to tell you the story about this coloring book, man. <laughs> one awesome. of my artists, Kelsey, Kelsey Giddens. One of my artists, Kelsey Giddens. You know, he battles with with depression and things like that, whatever, and which is important. Right, everybody deals oh, with yeah. things. I deal with things. We all deal with things, yep. right? So there's no shame in it, right? However, he created a coloring book because he's sending out healing throughout the world using yeah. this NFT technology. Literally, coloring is a therapy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I didn't man. even think about this. Everybody can, yeah. everybody can color. So he created this coloring book about little brown, black boys and girls and places that he's grown up and things of that sort, right? No coloring book is the same either because everybody has to color differently. So uh -huh. he's creating amazing art. And we're trying to send this throughout the world to send healing throughout the world. Yeah, there's a mission. You have a why. You have a bigger, bigger <clears throat> mission than just selling coloring books. Yeah, it's insane, man. I mean, and and the last reason why I mean we're doing so many dope. We have a dope photographer, right? But the last, most important for me, our mascot for the project is called Noble Nate. Mm -hmm. Noble Nate is based off my father. He was one of the most noble men 
that I've encountered in my life. He is the reason why I am, one of the reasons why I am who yeah. I am today. When he passed, it was one of the, you know, obviously worst days of my life, right? How can we turn that into something positive? Hmm. We created this mascot for his legacy to live on forever. We're creating a collection, a comic series, a cartoon series, right? To teach people about the importance of eating healthy, mm. about oh, about yeah. saving about saving your insides, mm. right? About being a noble man, being a great father. It's a great All these things, message. yeah, that he instilled into me. Now, as a cartoon figure, as an animated figure, he's going to instill these into kids because you have mm. to start it early, right? Oh yeah. And we're going to change the world. We're gonna change the world using this this mascot. We're gonna change the world. That's how I plan to change the world. And we're gonna do all these amazing things, and then we're gonna open up this restaurant, man, and and keep the and keep the food mission coming, man. That's it. I mean, that's the, the entire time I'm thinking about how we're gonna wrap up this show because there's so much in here that I think that not too many people are, are really understanding. But let me just make one thing clear: that we just did a 52 minute and counting episode. We didn't talk about one dish. We didn't talk <laughs> about one kind of knife. Other than culinary school, we didn't really talk about any technique or anything. You, to me, are Chef 3.0. You are. You have to think about these other things because, let's face it, restaurant industry, on the basic level, not hard to get into, right? Mm -hmm. Get a lease, get a space, start cooking food, and you're open. We don't live in that time anymore. That is a fucking path to destruction, financial ruin, bad relationships. But now this 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 new economy we're in is any kind of artist, culinary, music, artist, NFTs are putting the power in your hands to create something bigger, something greater, something that you truly own, that you can control the voice, you can control the, the money, you can control the relationships better. Um, and I just think it's really interesting that we just did this entire episode and we didn't talk about anything about that yet. You, you got a Michelin star chef. You're got, you know, things going on that are people just never thought about chefs. Never, this, they don't teach you this shit in culinary school. So that's a credit to you, but it's also, you know, you have to, you have to be able to, to get into this and not everybody's going to be able to do it, but I think you're way ahead of the game. And that's one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on the show. And of course, excited to work with you outside of this. So um, that's, that's really great. So, I just that that hit me. Like we didn't talk about food at all. We didn't say not one thing. We talked a little bit on food. You're 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 uh you're a businessman, and that's that's what that's what it comes down to in this new economy. And that's that's a credit to you. So I'm really honored to have, have met you and known you in this way. Thank you, man. That means so much, man. And I I think you know, I think the reason that is is because if we want our food dreams to come true, they have to be able to come true. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean that they ha the business has to run. Dude, I, the, rest <laughs> the restaurants are, to me, and this all the time people think I'm not, they're not, restaurants are not 100% about food. Yeah. Not like, they're they're, there are restaurants that are places to eat. There are yeah. restaurants that are like fucking temples. There are restaurants yeah. that speak to your soul. They're all different, cut different ways. They can't be put under the different umbrellas. And, and that's, very important to note here, I think. One one thing I want to end on too is like I don't want I don't want anyone to get it twisted. I burn in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I, I get I get down in the kitchen. I, I, one thing I want everyone to know respectfully, right? As as respectful as possible, 
I I didn't survive these restaurants, right? Without yeah. putting my head down, without having a good palate, without being able to create dishes. I mean, I'll speak about one dish before we wrap up here for half time. But no, basically, my my most one of my most signature dishes, one of my most favorite dishes, is, is called Mother Bell. <clears throat> and the reason why is because it's based off my great grandmother from the South, North Carolina, Williamston, right? Small town. She's ninety seven years old, and she's still living. God, mm. like, which is amazing. Thank you, thank you, Lord. And she creates creates this thing, which is mayonnaise cake, which is known in the Southern community, where she actually uses mayonnaise instead of any type of fat, creates an amazing moist cake, right? She uses the liqueur of raisins, right? Builds this amazing cake, right? Had it for years. And she makes snow cream. So what snow cream is, is she actually collects the snow because it doesn't snow that often, right? And we turn that into ice cream. So these are childhood memories of what I've grew up on and we recreated this dish. And it's one stellar dish that everybody really has enjoyed at every single pop-up, you know? Um, whether I do it as a pre-course dessert and introducing a, another, you know, high-level dessert, or we just do a bigger portion and we and we use it as the finale for the for the um, for the tasting menu. Um, I think it's, you know, I think it's lovely. Oh my God! I mean, that's that. Just I'm thinking in my head the different steps and techniques it must take to elevate a recipe like that, right? Because when it's so simple and you want to elevate it, and you, it's. I mean, that's really to me the essence of cooking and creativity. Yes. However, people think that you have to elevate these things. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to like you don't have to elevate these things. Mm. You got to do it right. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I mean, I, I elevated a little bit, right? Instead of using yellow food covering, we're doing turmeric. <laughs> right. You know, turmeric is healthy. It's yep. good for you, and it's natural. Yep. We're not elevating it. We're just executing it properly. You know what I mean? And people think that you have to do a deconstructed this yeah, no, and a foam on a this. <laughs> man, you just got to create delicious food, man. And if it means something from your heart and if it means something for your soul, it will resonate with the right people. That's that's my, one of the things that I love people don't understand. Like, what's your favorite kind of food? And, and I grew up in an Italian red sauce house. <clears throat> but to me is the food from Spain, the cooking from Spain, because they don't they get the best ingredients. Amazing. Look very simply. Yes. And then people are like, "All you want is this? <laughs> is this uh, grilled calamari with lemon?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's easy. You try to do it. It's not easy. It's not. E there's a no. lot of. There's a lot in simplicity. That that yeah. is that is beautiful. Yes. So, um. All right, Sakari. I know you have a lot going on, but where can people find you cooking now? If anywhere, I know you have a lot of a lot of a lot of things that are kind of maybe pulling you away from that. Or, or you you tell me. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, man. So. I have a break coming up right now because I have to do some some filming for some TV opportunities. Um, however, where people can find me is on YouTube, right? At Noble Promise Studios, right? We're building a platform for not just for me, but for anyone, for anything, right? So you'll be able to see Simply Cooking with Sakari, which is one of my YouTube shows. You'll be able to see Sipping with Sakari, where I interview people in the NFT space and the creative artist space. Um, so you'll be able to catch me on YouTube. You'll be able to catch me on TikTok at Simply Cooking with Sakari on Instagram at Sakari Smithwick. And yeah, man, I mean, you know, check out my Chopped episode, uh, Team Ice Cream. If you Google Team Ice Cream, you'll be able to see me on Food Network's Chopped from a few years back. Um, any social media, man, Sakari Smithwick, Google me. And um, 
I, I should ask you, how can people avoid you? How can they not find you? Like, how, how do I get away from this guy? That's what I should ask. You're everywhere, man. I mean, we're, we're working. This is just the beginning. You know, I can't wait to have this podcast in 10 years from now and, and see the growth. So, Dude, man, Thank that's you. what it's all about. That's, that's what, you know, creating that content is the look back. That's what you're going to have, right? 100%. Man. So thank you, Kyle. Appreciate right, you. But we'll be in touch, and then we won't be in touch for a while. So, uh, yeah, we'll connect offline. But thank you so much for the time. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you out there. Cool, man. Thank All you. Right. Thanks, Chef. Cheers. All right, guys, I told you. I told you my man's infectious, and he's on to big, big things. And you're just going to have to keep an eye out. You're just going to have to follow my man on Instagram. You have to keep an eye on his YouTube Keep an eye on his TikTok. Keep an eye on his Instagram because he, to me, uh, Chef Sakari Smithwick, he does everything that I think a young, not even young, forget about age, that chefs should be doing right now. So make sure you're following him. Pay attention to his story. And by all means, I'm just going to speak for him. Hit him up. He's one of the friendliest, nicest dudes on the planet. And I really appreciate the time. Thank you again so much for checking us out. Look forward to seeing you guys later this week. Thanks.